Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here for the Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with Anna Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up in 20 minutes, John McClain will join us. Top NFL headlines where the leading discussion today is Trevor Lawrence goes down late with that ankle injury. It looked much worse yeah, than how yeah. it ended up, um, where it's an ankle sprain. It does not appear as though he's going to need the tightrope surgery that Kenny Pickett has had, then we'll miss upwards of three weeks. It's uh, Brian Tannehill had this done last year, for instance, um, in hopes that he could come back and join a team that was in a playoff push. Chad, that's the same thing for Kenny Pickett, who will now watch Mitchell Trubisky take over. And if Trevor Lawrence can't go, it's C.J. Beathard in Jacksonville. More backups joining the starting ranks. C.J. Beathard Hutton, who uh, we covered in high school when yeah. he was a quarterback at Battleground Academy down in Franklin, Tennessee, before going to Iowa. Uh, his uncle or father is a huge songwriter. Um, yes. And grandfather was Bobby Beathard, the engineer of Washington Redskins dynasty and the Chargers team that made the Super Bowl as a GM you, in the NFL. Man. So he's got some interesting family ties to both the music business and the football business, and now he's the guy in Jacksonville. I'm watching in that game, and I'm, I'm watching the Manning cast, as I normally do on Monday night, because I, I love it. Um, somebody should hire Chad Ochocinco as an analyst. He was really good. He was on the entire fourth quarter and the overtime with what? Eli and Peyton, and he was really good talking football X's and O's with those guys, very likable. And he travels and goes to impressed. practices and stuff. Oh, yeah. he was. Uh, I mean, he was cheering for Cincinnati yeah, the yeah. whole time. He's like, balls out. And then he would, what are we doing when they didn't fall on the ball at one point on a fumble? So it's fun to watch those guys on there, but it's a good way to kind of critique the different personalities, but different acumen of former players in discussing the game. I thought Ocho Cinco was terrific with the Manning brothers last night. And in terms of backup quarterback situations, Jake Browning was good. Very for good. Cincinnati. Very good. Um, Bethard, how is he going to be? I, I'll just say this. I think there are worse backup quarterback situations than Beathard and Jacksonville. Yes. And they've got a good supporting cast where maybe they'll be okay. The matchups uh, in week 14, potential matchups, because it's not necessarily ruled out for the starters. Bailey Zappi, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, that's coming up on Thursday night football, by the way. C.J. Stroud uh, across the sideline will be Trevor Simeon. Uh, they could also, I mean, have they named him the starter? It could be Zach Wilson again, I guess, if they go back to him that's a, tomorrow for the first practice. That's an enormous mismatch in favor of the Either Texans way, from what a, we've seen. No doubt. Bryce Young takes on Jameis Winston. Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter. Uh, unfortunately for Bryce Young, that's a big mismatch in favor of Jameis Winston right now. Yes. C.J. Beathard and Joe Flacco is just funny to see. Yeah. Like going back in time to 2013. Right. Uh, Gardner Minshew and Jake Browning, Joshua Dobbs, and Aiden O'Connell, and Jordan Love, and Tommy DeVito. Don't look now, but Tommy DeVito is dealing. 
Tommy DeVito's getting it done. Do we know that Dobbs is going to be the starter and not Mullins? We is don't know. It, it just potential matches, but it could be Mullins, which yeah. is also the backup option. I'm real nervous for my guy Dobbs that um, I, didn't, I didn't love what Kevin O'Connell said after that game, that we're going to start the guy that works best with Justin Jefferson was his answer. Which means Justin Jefferson is going to make the call. Yeah. And all I'm going to guess that he's going to go wins. with the guy he's caught passes from a lot, either in practice or at some point, than the guy that he hasn't. Now, it's, this is not on Justin Jefferson early in the season because he was putting up numbers. Uh, he was having his production. But all of their wins have been without him in the lineup Yeah, in Minnesota. They were just losing close games when last year they were winning Maybe close Josh games. Dobbs should decide whether or not Justin Jefferson gets to play instead of the other way around. He just decides, I either want this guy here or not. We were winning without him, so we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, I hope the Dobbs story continues. And I really hope for his sake he gets a chance at redemption because that was a miserable performance uh, on Monday Night Football against the Bears for him. I, I don't want him to have to go out that way. Granted, the last time we saw him, I think he was leading the touchdown drive uh, that put the Vikings ahead for a short time before. Yes. And then had the ball back. Yeah, before Justin Fields won the game for the Bears. Top headlines uh, from outkick.com. And uh, collusion is the reason why Alabama got into the college football playoff. There's a lot of, uh, mainly the Florida State fan base, but others. I mean, it, it certainly... I can lean into that theory uh, based on the type of money and the partnership that ESPN has with the SEC moving forward, but more specifically, the fact that they own the college football playoff rights and they want the best matchups, period. I, I don't blame them for that, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting and I raise an eyebrow whenever you see the backdrop of Herb Street uh, prior, 10 minutes before the official reveal of the college football playoff and the helmets are already lined up for the, uh, for the teams that are getting in. It's Michigan right beneath, beneath the Michigan helmet. In the backdrop is Washington. And then on the left over his left shoulder, Texas and Alabama. And they had the side by side where the week before it was Florida state in the four spot after yes. the announcement. And then 10 minutes before they were announced, they had that. Now they're going to get tipped off. I would guess for production, just like, the, just like CBS with the selection show. Yeah, you know, 15 minutes before, 10 minutes before. Uh, probably not the smartest move for whoever's decorating the set for Herb Street to go ahead and put them in position before the reveal is announced, right? Because then it leads to this, this whole thing about, oh, ESPN's in on it, and they probably knew the night before, and they had a hand in it. Um, that, to me, is not the example of why there may be collusion. Hutton, it's kind of what you hinted and, at. And when, talking heads too, Chad, that are flipping their opinion very fast. Yeah, well, that's just being company men. I mean, I don't – that I, I don't even bat an eye out. When, when, when Dan Orlovsky is adamant one day that Florida State is absolutely in if they win and they should be in, they're hosed if not, then they build an entire segment around Dan Orlovsky saying the opposite. After the after the announcements are made, or Greg McElroy suddenly because Alabama, his alma mater, wins, you know the, what he said before about Florida State definitely being in that no longer applies. I think some of that is just being good company people and then siding with what you're your company's going to show. But, but you're allowed to change your opinion based on an SEC championship the game of performance those and making it obvious. Yeah, I, I don't across the platform. And I say all that to it. It, it looks funny, but I also don't. They don't really acknowledge that they just said something different and why they changed their opinion. They just change opinions. To me, I don't care about that. That's just falling in line with their own company. Um, it's the money at stake. It's the fact that your job 
is a big part of it is to promote those games on your network that employs you. So you don't necessarily want to go in full cocked and decide this is the wrong matchup. This team doesn't belong here. There's not many people at ESPN saying that. Booger McFarland said that. Dan Mullen. And Joey Galloway snapped back when because he kept saying, you know, we have this is an injustice that we've committed. We've done this, we've done that. And Joey Galloway said, wait a second, stop with the we. We don't care. Us up here, we don't care. We're yeah. talking about these games. Stop acting like we did this or we did that. I thought it was a strong response from Galloway, but I, I get what Booger McFarland's saying. I don't think he's saying we as an ESPN as much as we college football have failed this team is kind of his, his point with all that. Um, do I believe that ESPN and someone at ESPN has contact with someone on the college football playoff committee? Absolutely. I think there's communication that goes on. Do I think that ESPN is the ultimate decider and can veto a decision by the committee? I don't know that I'm willing to go that far. And I'm willing to buy ESPN meddling in a lot of different situations. I don't know that it goes as far as they decided on Florida State and then ESPN came in and said, nope, we want Texas and Alabama. Find a way to get Texas and then Alabama in. That's what we want with the money we're spending. I don't know that it went that far, Hutton. Now, the funniest connection I've seen made is that, and I forget who posted this on X, yeah. but that Disney is getting back at the state of Florida for suing them. <laughs> so they pulled the strings to make sure Florida State's out as sort of this sideswipe to say, we can get you anywhere. Oh, you're going to sue us? You're going to say this about us, the state of Florida? Well, we're going to make sure your beloved Seminoles aren't in the college football playoff because Disney has tentacles that reach all over the planet, and we can reach college football also. To me, that's funny to speculate about. I don't know that it went that far also. But do I think that ESPN wanted this to happen? Yes. Whether they said make it happen or not, I think they got exactly what they wanted. Well, and while I'm not all for predicting what will or will not happen, I do, I'm anticipating the Michigan-Alabama matchup much more than I would the Florida State matchup and that's of these what, games. That's what ESPN is betting on, Yeah, is that most of America would have the same reaction as you. Now, ESPN, I, I don't know that they've even said this, they can't with a straight face say, well, we don't care who's in the playoff. We, we just want the playoff. Of course they care. Were these, you were, spend that much money on something, you care about what games are going to get the most eyeballs. So if you care enough and you've got that much money invested in it, it's hard for me to believe then they had no communication with those making the decision on it. When was the – it may have been last year. And I just can't remember if it was New Year's Day or when. Um, when was the last time it was on New Year's Eve? Because, Chad, we, we discussed the ratings were not what they – would have been on a different day based on the New Year's Eve impact. Yeah. On the viewing audience with, you know, parties and other things going on. And this I, one I is, this one is. I don't know if this is the first time since then because I don't, I can't keep up they, with They went away for that reason that the ratings weren't what they expected. I, I don't, to me, like the best time to fit it in would be just pick the Saturday if you get it lined up right between Christmas and, and yeah. New Year, like pick the Saturday that's in between, whether that's the 26th or the 27th, 20, whatever, and put the two games, and that's it. No NFL competition on that one Saturday with games that we know NFL is going to start having games then, and then make it the college football Saturday in between Christmas and New Year. That's the two-game playoff. Yeah, I, I, I just think um, 
I think they planned this out so far, uh, so long ago, because to book these domes and get all get everything situated in the rotation for the Rose Bowl and everything else, that it just falls on that date every now and then. And they the last time it did, it was not it was not on par with what it would have been on New Year's Day, for instance, or January second, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're going to crush it this year. Storylines with every team. And, well, and I think and also anticipating it more than some of the other games that we've seen recently. And look, they're going to use that as uh, ammo to say we got it right. If that game's close and the ratings are huge, that's ESPN's victory lap saying everybody who said we got it wrong, uh, you're wrong. I, I, I disagree. I don't think the outcome of what's to come has anything to do with well, whether or not they got the decision right I, now. And with TCU last year, I mean, they got it right there because it was, you know, you've got. TCU Michigan followed. They put up fifty one on Michigan, and it was a good game. Yeah, fifty one forty five, and then forty two forty one was the final score of Georgia Ohio State. Now national championship game was not good, sixty five seven. But was not good, not good. But we've seen lopsided games before, and it's with some of the the powerhouses, the the blue bloods, and they've still been relatively lopsided in many cases. Yeah, Jan in our YouTube chat is big on the SEC conspiracy part of this, that ESPN is just in cahoots with the SEC, and the SEC is always overrated as a conference and says Texas only got in because they beat the SEC champ, and Bama only got in because they are the champion of the SEC. I mean, there's probably some legitimacy to that. You also can't deny the fact that the SEC has been the best football conference in America, and the national championship showed that. Year after Michigan's going to have to prove it. Now you can say, well, it's a Bama and Georgia conference. Okay, I would still put the SEC one through fourteen versus the one through fourteen of pretty much every conference, pretty much every year. Are there exceptions to that rule? Certainly, there are years where the Big Ten is better. There may be a year where the Pac-12 is better, but as a whole, the SEC is the most dominant conference. Yeah. Now, I said this before the selection happened. I think it actually would have been a good thing for college football for the SEC to be left out one time. I think the SEC would have been highly motivated moving forward, and it wouldn't have affected them long term. And I think the rest of college football, people like Jan, who believe in this SEC conspiracy, I think it would help to them to get engaged with the game more if the SEC was out one time. But also knowing it's Bama versus Michigan and Saban versus Harbaugh, I don't think that's going to exclude a lot of America from watching um, because they're tired of Bama or, or anything else. Those storylines and those two personalities, that's going to be a big TV draw. Um, I, is it weird I like the name Jan? Uh, no, not at all. Does it make you feel Scandinavian? It, it, no, it has something to do with the spelling, obviously. Yeah. I think he goes by Jan. I, I just, he I, doesn't. He's it, about to change it. It's a guy. Uh, we, we know a guy named Jan also. Jan Van Bredikoff, former Vandy coach. But I, I assume it's Jan. Maybe it's not. Maybe I just put that on him. Maybe it's like when I used to tell people my name was Chadwick and not Chad. Try to church it up a little bit. Maybe I'm doing that for Jan. I don't know. Chadwick uh, just sounds so uh, regal. Chadwick sounds a little more British. Sounds That's what I was going for. I watched a, a few too many pri- British it's, films. It's very as a much child. private. Private school. Yeah. It's uh, Oxford Prep is what I would say Chadwick attended. Uh, not, not Mount Juliet High. Chad, what would Mount you... Juliet sounds regal, but it's not. <laughs> it does. It sounds regal. When I tell people not from here, that's where Chadwick I grew up Juliet. or that's where I lived. They're like, man, do you live in a castle? Yeah. Mount Juliet actually named after an Irish castle. 
True story. <laughs> That's where it gets its name. It's uh, a castle. Chad, you got your name through what? Um, my actual through name? Who? Through who? My, Chad. I, I, whatever the, the, the dictionary form of Google was back in 1982. <laughs> my parents just looked Mary at a Western. name book and said, oh, Chad looks cool. Let's do that. <laughs> we'll just flip to a page. There's zero meaning behind it. I can assure you of that. Flip to a, I mean, it could have been. Uh, it's not a family name. Uh, my middle name is my father's first name, but yeah. my first name, not a family name, no, no meaning behind it. Just, I think it's like the, you know, as a kid, when you spin the globe and put your finger on a spot and say, that's where I'm going to live when I grow up. I think my parents did that with the name Chad. What would be the next name in, in order of Chad? If you just spin and you touch the Dale, Dale, <laughs> D A L E. I prefer Chad. I prefer Chad to Dale. Let's Here's an exercise. I'm going to list the names that I actually like Chad better than these names. Leon. Ricky. Leon. Chad's better than Ricky. Yeah. Better than Dale. Um, is that about it? I think Chip is better. We, there's been chip. a debate about Chip or Chad. You don't look like a Chip. Which one would you like, Chip or Chad? I think Chip's better. You pull up Chad way better than Chip. I take that as an insult, but thank you, Hutton. Thank you for that insult. John McClain joins us next. Top NFL headlines coming your way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our broadcast location for Outkick. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on here on the Outkick Network. You can join Chad in the chat right now on YouTube, streaming live there. And if you're listening live to this great radio partner, we say thank you very much. Logan Ryan, friend of the show. In fact, helped us host the show for two years while he was he here did. with the Tennessee Titans. He's been in Tampa. Uh, not back with the Buccaneers this year, but he is back in the NFL as of right now, Chad. He is signing with the San Francisco 49ers. I went down and, and was uh, a part of an event that he he had to raise money for his Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation in Tampa uh, early October. And I asked him, I said, are you, are you officially going to retire like soon? Or he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to try to see what happens throughout the year, staying in shape. He's got like a turf football field in his backyard uh or i should say the lawn i, I don't know if it's a yard the lawn the lawn the, uh, at the estate and that's where he he trains and he stayed in shape ready to go um he play the nickel play safety and he's signing with san fran to go get a third super bowl ring fun time for logan ryan <clears throat> staying in shape and then getting an opportunity to play for that 49ers team is uh exciting so uh, congratulations to him on making that move. And another payday. Yep. Moves being made all over college football in the transfer portal, especially with some high-profile quarterbacks. Latest bit of news from Pete N uh, Nakos. Uh, he writes that Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback freshman at UCLA, since he entered the portal at UCLA, has been in constant contact with Michigan as a possible oh. landing spot for the former five-star freshman quarterback at UCLA. Said he wants a place where he can be developed the best, and he feels like wow. Michigan is the spot for him. See, that's not what I think of. 
Mm-mm. when I think of development. That's I mean it, it and style. It does make some sense, but not the not the school I was immediately more power thinking him, about with Dante Moore. So, you know what I would be thinking about if I'm him? Potential punishment headed to Michigan's program from the NCAA. I would definitely be worried about that. If I'm any uh, transfer right now, I'm I'm looking at that at uh, at Michigan as a possible stumbling block for me going there. It's, but I think also maybe the thought would be he's going to have two years to play. Yeah, no, it would it would hurt yeah. the, that idea. If you're a grad transfer, I would have to. Yes, I, I could see like, all right, they're not going to hit them while I'm In the there. Final year. Yeah, I think it'll happen the year after that. So I'll, I'll go there and try to win it all. Yeah, I would. I would. That would weigh heavy on me. Yeah, for the the opportunity. Well, to win. And especially if you are a quarterback that's got a ton of options. You know, as like to where you would. could go and start right now. Uh, I'll tell you the the craziest program right now in terms of transfer portal, and there may be another one out there, but I'm seeing a lot with this program because it's here local to where our studio is in Nashville. Vanderbilt has lost almost everyone that mattered to that team. Over the last two years, too. It is crazy. All three quarterbacks, their best offensive lineman, Bradley Ashmore, one of their best defensive linemen, Will Shepard and London Humphreys are two best receivers. They're two top running backs, all in the portal. Two years All ago, they lost the Steen to Bama, the yep. left tackle. And last year, they lost their top running Ray back. Davis to Kentucky. Yep. And that, that's unfortunate. CJ staying. Unfortunate for them. Yeah, and he's, he's their best player on defense, I think. Unfortunate for Vandy, though, um, Ray Davis had so much success yeah. at Kentucky. If he had gone somewhere and not had that success, now that seems like the blueprint for Vandy players that have been developed as good young players is to leave. Now, Vandy is going to have some NIL money to bring in some transfers, so it's not like they're going to sit tight and not add anyone. But if you're Clark Lee, it's tough to see how you get out of this hole right now because the guys you actually identified as potential good players, I mean, I'm hearing London Humphreys could go to Georgia as a transfer. His His dad is the track coach at Vanderbilt, and he left Vanderbilt. They're essentially... That's tough. They're what Dilfer wants to be at UAB. Vandy doesn't want to be that, of course. No, and now but they're, you, you're left starting all up. over with new key pieces that are going to transfer in, and you've got a daunting schedule. You're always going to have that at Vandy in the SEC, but next year it's, it's going to be rough again. We're trying to uh, connect with John McClain. In the meantime, uh, we will uh, hit some other top headlines today. The Nick Saban's cell phone number was leaked. Uh, still can't figure out how that happened. But he was inundated with tons of text messages, upwards of hundreds, if not more than that now. And you, you can imagine what were in those text messages. Um, yeah, so that whoever had his number was upset, leaked it. And once a message board gets a hold of it, Chad, that's all she wrote. New number coming for Dick Saban. I'm surprised more coaches don't get their numbers leaked because so many of them, I mean, they'll have like a personal and a recruiting or university-issued number. We don't know which one was leaked for Saban. Yeah. But they're recruiting. I mean, they're they're texting players and high school players, right, all the time in recruiting. So there's a lot of high school kids who have that number that could just tell their dad's buddy who happens to be a fan of another, uh, another school, and then they post it on a message board. And you get lit up with text messages. That stuff is is dumb. And, uh, yeah, this will all result in Nick Saban getting a new phone number, which is an inconvenience. And, and the, it's, it's stupid banquet, to try to contact him. His quote was, I've had probably over 250 anonymous callers today. 
calling me every name in the book, talking about how we shouldn't be in the playoffs. So we still have naysayers out there. We still have players who don't believe in us, is what Saban said. Well, and look, I think um, I, I, I think your, your anger is misplaced Yes, with Nick Saban. If you're mad about the, the decision, he not, he's not the one that decided that. He just went and won the SEC championship game, and they picked his team over Florida State. So it's the committee that you should be angry with. By the way, Danny Cannell, speaking of anger, oh, yeah. former FSU quarterback, he's going to join Outkick Hot Mike tomorrow. So we'll get his response on all things Florida State being left out of the playoff on tomorrow's show. That should be exciting. Should we just, like, ladies and gentlemen, Danny Cannell, you have the floor. I think we're probably going to ask him. him two questions. We're going to just serve him up, let him vent for a little while, and then maybe get one or two more questions in after that. Well, he's pissed off for greatness. That will be a great primary complaint uh, day. It's going to be, yeah. Our primary complaint should just bleed over into Danny's segment at that point. Not complaining about tonight's uh, college basketball lineup, Chad. It's stacked. Yeah, evening. North Carolina and UConn. By the way, I watched, um, was it Friday night? Uh, days are running together now. Yeah, I think Friday night was Kansas hosting UConn. Okay. In the, the, the Big 12 Big East Challenge. That was awesome. That was an amazing atmosphere. It was so loud coming through the TV. Jason Sudeikis was in the crowd. He's a big Kansas fan. Yeah. He played uh, high school basketball and junior college basketball out of Overland Park, Kansas, just west of Kansas City. Uh, and is a huge Kansas Jayhawks fan. He was in the crowd. Uh, he was sitting next to Sue Bird. It was a really good atmosphere, a big win for Kansas. And now tonight it's UConn taking on North Carolina. In a game. You've got conference action also. Wisconsin is playing Michigan State. Big Ten's already tipped off games against each other. Uh, Purdue lost to Northwestern. So we were talking to about kick this off, To tip off Big Ten play. Why does, why, why does the Big Ten tip off so early? I think they play two more games. I want to say they play 20 and not okay. 18. So they get it started in, in uh, November, December with games. And then they bounce back and forth. They'll play conference, then dip back in for a week into non-conference, then kind of go back to it. it I, it's I an love odd, it. It's an odd scheduling quirk, but it leads to things like Northwestern upsetting Purdue this weekend. Georgia Tech in the ACC upsets Duke over the weekend. Uh, big outcomes, uh, Kentucky losing to UNC Wilmington at home this weekend by nine points. You had um, Marquette, third-ranked Marquette. Not a huge surprise, but lose at home to Wisconsin. Um, I don't know if that was actually in, in Milwaukee or Madison, but Wisconsin beats Marquette. Some big-time college basketball games going on all over the place. Makes it a little bit more fun. Heisman finalists have been announced uh, who will be in New York. And uh, no surprises here with Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr., Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. There are are some of the nearly 1,000 voters uh, made up of Heisman, uh, living Heisman uh, winners of the past. So there's one fan collective fan vote plus uh, 926 media members that vote. Unless they submitted their ballot early, it comes down to Jaden Daniels, who did not play on championship weekend, but certainly had other media members on social pushing for the vote to go to him. Or it's Michael Penix Jr. Two weeks after Bo Nix was the favorite to win the Heisman. The head-to-head matchup matters to me. My vote would go to Michael Penix Jr. Big moments, big games. He's won them. 
And while Jaden Daniels is outstanding in the biggest games and the biggest shootouts where he's posting all kinds of numbers. And again, I it, it sucks, but I'm I'm looking at the body of work and the team. And to me, if you're the quarterback and you're the Heisman winner, you've got to win big, big matchups. He did, uh, he, he's putting up all kinds of numbers, but Florida State, I mean, if you start looking at their schedule, Chad, I, to me, that, that's the tiebreaker for me if I'm really torn between Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, remember um, a year, we talk about Heisman moments. Right, so many of these high, right. not not every single one, and I'm sure someone's going to nitpick and come back and say, "What about this guy, who you know his team went eight and four and they won the Heisman?" It's not universal, but most of the time, Heisman player, Heisman Trophy winners, great players, they have that Heisman moment. A year ago, we talked about Hendon Hooker against Alabama. That felt like his Heisman arrival moment, and he may have won the Heisman or at least gone to New York had he not been injured against South Carolina. But that felt like the big moment, the big win and upsetting Alabama in Knoxville, right? Yep. Um, Johnny Manziel winning at Alabama in his Heisman. That was the Heisman moment for Johnny football on the national stage. Jaden Daniels doesn't have that moment this year. Lost by 21 to Florida State. Lost on the road at Alabama. Uh, I I just don't see that they lost to Ole Miss. Ole Miss. And a great game. He's had a great season statistically, and I'm not trying to rip this thing from him. But name the Heisman moment for Jaden Daniels. Uh, I I really can't. And Hutton, to your point, Michael Penix Jr. had four or five of them throughout the year. But, it felt like but you always know my gripe a big with that. moment. I'm not sure how many people saw them. Yeah, unless it's unless it's Oregon. I, I hope he wins, but I, I do too. It's hard for me to look at the high sp- the the odds with Vegas. Yeah, and think that you know something's not up there with with Jaden Daniels being the clear cut winner. I mean the the big win for LSU. Uh, was uh, Missouri the ten point win? Yeah, on the at, road at, at Missouri. It turns out to be a huge game, but again, early in the year, no one had Missouri being that good. It didn't feel like the Heisman arrival moment for Daniels. And I, and look, I'm not saying that he's not deserving. I, I would vote for Michael Penix Jr. That would just be my only knock uh, on Daniels. That there should be a lot of factors. I'm not going to talk out of both sides of my mouth and say I'm just highlighting this one thing, and that's why he's not going to win or shouldn't win it. He would be a worthy winner of it. I just that would be my one question mark with Jaden Daniels, even with the great season. Is wh- where is that moment for him this year? And let's let's mention what could have been Jalen Milrow. If he doesn't have the September that he had, he's had that moment. He had the moment with that throw against Auburn, and then he goes and and wins the SEC. Well, he title. did it again also with just a miraculous throw to Isaiah Bond on that final drive, uh, one of the final drives. I mean, he had some moments in the SEC right. championship too. Right. That was, I mean, if not for that was Heisman worthy. Trying to figure out if he was the guy, and it turns out benching him was the best thing to happen for him because the the storyline of how bad Bama was playing after the Texas matchup, then they went to South Florida and and, and hung on in that awful game and awful weather. But he's on the sideline leading. And he's inserted back into the lineup, and he just took off. Yeah. If not for those two and a half weeks, he's probably your Heisman winner. I'm a little... Uh, just based on the moment you're I'm describing. I'm not shocked, a little surprised he wasn't the fourth invited player uh, to Instead to of Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yeah. 
it's between him and Marvin Harrison well, Jr. Well, I, I think doesn't surprise me, but I think Harrison Jr. is there because the the voters canceled out a lot of the other. Like, I think this will be a tight. This is going to be a tight race, a, a, a tight ballot. It's because who's number one, two, and three, and how they tally all of that up, you know, and how they score it. And I bet Marvin Harrison Jr. is three on a lot of ballots, you know. Yeah. Even though you have Milrow saying, "Give me the Heisman after the throw," and that was that was the moment. Well, we uh, on this show, if if we had a vote and we don't, we're not one of the over a thousand people. Uh, we've looked at that now with past Heisman winners, also, and the yep. numbers a little bit over a thousand. We're not one of the over a thousand people who have a vote. But if I had a vote, I'm going with Michael Penix Jr. Me too. You Same. are too, Hutton. There you go. Same. Coming up, John McClain will will join us, and we will chat about the reaction from the Houston fan base watching Trevor Lawrence go down for Jacksonville last night. Not as detrimental of an injury, doesn't appear to be, as what we would have thought based on the way that looked. But still, the division is wide open, and we could see Houston atop the AFC South, potentially. Not the Jaguars. We'll discuss that, plus other backup quarterback factors going into week 14. That's next on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. Chad, right now at the Outkick store, there's a 50% off deal. Buy one, get one. 50% off. Yeah, uh, yeah, buy one, get one 50% off. So you've got the uh, option to buy great gear, and you can also maybe get one for John McClain as a Christmas gift. You never know what's on John McClain's Christmas list. Find our favorite polos, T-shirts, and more when you visit shop.outkick.com. That and score 50% off. All you got to do, shop.outkick.com. Add the items to your cart. The discount automatically applied. That most likely to yell at the ref ball cap would be a perfect stocking stuffer for John McClain. It would be. Who's always the most likely to yell at the ref. And the team that he's covering. As if you follow him on social media, you know he's not afraid to do. I do read his, his posts on X, and I do think he's basically yelling at the refs during, during his time watching the, the Texans games. And the Texans right now... Uh, in the middle of a AFC South race against Jacksonville, given the injury to Trevor Lawrence, we don't know the significance of that other than an ankle sprain, but they uh, they avoid disaster in Jacksonville despite maybe needing C.J. Beathard coming up against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. John McClain, one of the nicest men that anyone will ever meet, yep. and not likely to yell at people, but on social media, I always feel like he's screaming yep. at me on social media when John, he types. scream at us anytime. How are you? If I were screaming, I'd put it in all caps. I don't scream at anybody. <laughs> okay. That's Haven't true. yelled at officials since the early 70s when I was a student at Baylor, and I went to Baylor basketball games. What was the reaction with Trevor Lawrence down and, and the Texans trying to not just make the playoffs, but potentially being able to host a game if they win the division? People felt terrible for him. Nobody wants to see a player go down for another team, especially one as important 
as Lawrence. The thing I wondered is so many people on social media did, but they not have a golf cart in Northern yeah. Florida. That was unbelievable. Weird. You guys know what a long walk that is. And oh, I was oh, stunned. Yes, it is. You're right. And I was stunned. And I, because when he, when he raised up from the injury and slammed his helmet down, I thought he'd torn his Achilles, his ACL, broken his ankle, but nobody said how long he's going to be out because nobody knows. When you have a sprained ankle, nobody has a clue how long it's going to be. He could be out two weeks. I guarantee you he's not playing Sunday and maybe not the next game when they play Baltimore. The Texans are one game behind, as are the Colts. Texans split with the Jaguars. And the Texans, because of the record, uh, they need to make sure they finish a game ahead of the Jaguars because they'd lose a tiebreaker when it comes to either the division or the conference. So it's going to be a great race. Texans are first team out of the playoffs. They still play the Colts and the Browns, who are ahead of them. They've already beaten the Steelers in case there's a two-way tie. But uh, they've got it right there if they're good enough to take it. John, did I see uh, – did C.J. Stroud suffer a concussion? No. Okay. Was no, he, was he the down? The only player they lost was uh, Tank Dell with a fractured fibula. Okay. I thought I saw where he was down on the field. I wasn't sure what was going on there because we he saw a couple down of the players field. He went to a medical tent after he went on a third and one, third consecutive third and one on – I'm sorry, fourth and one, and they went for it on a quarterback sneak, and he went out for one play. Davis Mills came in, completed an 18-yard pass, and he went back in. I call this the Tua effect on every position. Derrick Henry was removed from the game this past Sunday against Indy uh, in concussion protocol, but then the very next day, Vrabel's saying that he's not in concussion protocol. That is just erring on the side of caution for the player in that instance. Well, remember, it's the independent guy on the sideline that determines that, and they take him into the locker room, and they give him tests, and then you can be taken in, them worried, erring on the side of caution, and then the next day, you're okay. Most of the time, it doesn't work like that. But, of course, the Titans are happy that it does. There's no fudging anymore on any injury that's, that could be major, especially involving the head. Yes. John, so when I saw a guy named Big Dom DeSandro get kicked out of a game, the head of security for the Eagles, I thought to myself, I bet John McClain's got a story about some staffer or security person on a sideline doing something during an NFL game. I know we mutually know someone who's had some antics on the sideline during games uh, with the Oilers and, and Titans, but what a crazy set of circumstances and the animosity between the Eagles and the 49ers, John, before that game and then bleeding over with that and you got a staffer getting kicked out along with Dre Greenlaw. What did you make of the entire scene in Philly? I think in the in the hype leading up to it, you know, going back to the championship game last year in which the Eagles pounded them because they were down to their fourth quarterback and didn't have a chance. They've been waiting for a chance to play them again once the schedule came out. It looks like they're headed for an NFC championship game. And if it's in Philadelphia, it's going to be hard for the 49ers to beat them twice in one season, just like if Texas and Alabama win and come to Houston for the championship, it's going to be hard to beat Nick Saban two times in one season. So there's a lot of animosity there. And it's interesting because the Eagles' big rival is the Cowboys, Giants, 
commanders, but right now it's the Cowboys. But the 49ers have moved past them. That uh, that rivalry is ugly, and they were embarrassed. And then they had the things going on off the field. I think it's great. I saw that one video. I thought it was terrible. Some fans were dumb enough to wear their 49ers gear in the stadium, and the whole game they were pounded with snowballs from fans behind them who were hitting them as well as Eagle fans, typical of Philadelphia. You never wear your colors unless you come in groups wearing the Giants. John, I brought this up with Chad yesterday in discussing the, the wild card spots in the AFC because right now that goes to Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and Cleveland, followed uh, by Houston and Denver, and then Buffalo. And in discussing that we had a topic about the quarterbacks that we would trust uh, trust the most to get you to the playoffs, I said C.J. Stroud. I didn't say Josh Allen. And I said we should not be giving Josh Allen a pass based on the, the hierarchy of where we would place him in the, the caliber of quarterback that he is in the National Football League. This should be, and I, the schedule could be brutal, but the quarterback should help lead them to the postseason in this year's AFC race for the wildcard spot, shouldn't he? You're going to have to ask me that again because my speakers went out. I apologize. Can you hear me now, John? I can hear you. Shouldn't Josh Allen be held to the expectation of leading Buffalo to the playoffs, given where we would rank him compared to the other teams ahead of him right now? Absolutely. And, you know, they got a tough schedule, but they got talent. They get our playoff tested. I could see them getting in as a wild card over a lot of these other teams that are in the running that are not as good as the Bills, and if they don't make the playoffs, there's not going to be more teams more disappointed uh, than the than the Buffalo. I, I I agree with you. Um, where would you rank the worst offenses right now in the NFL? Where would New, New England, hands down, <laughs> New England number one, Jets number two, Patriots just went through a stretch. I think they allowed ten or fewer points and they yes. lost all of them. Three straight and games. The Jets are averaging nine points over the last five games, haven't scored more than 13 in two months. I'll see them Sunday when they play the Texans with Zach Wilson back in the lineup. No hesitation from John. They knew that answer right away, New England, and that, that is the correct answer. Your second worst offense, though, in the league, the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee today, and he said, there's a big problem with this organization. And he said, it, we need to get at, uh, he said, a report about a kid quitting on the team is what it looked like for Zach Wilson. Blasted the organization, John, for, quote, chicken bleep leaks to the media. Said this is a problem with this organization, and it's not the first time this has happened. Uh, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers scolding the Jets organization for leaks like this? I think it's terrible because, number one, Rich Semini has covered that team forever. I heard him say on NFL radio this morning, it wasn't like Zach Wilson went to Robert Sala and said, I don't want to play because I might get hurt. It's like he talked to either a coach or a player. Player may have told his agent who leaked it. And I don't, but you don't know that it was somebody in the organization. But I think for a team that's done everything it can for Aaron Rodgers, keeping his buddy, who's a terrible, terrible play caller, signing four of his buddies, one of whom, Alan Lazard, $22 million this year, healthy and active. That whole organization is so discombobulated. 
Mitchell Trubisky has his moment coming up now with Kenny Pickett sidelined for three weeks or so uh, with the tightrope surgery that he had on his ankle. And this is exactly why they brought in Trubisky when they did, John. And uh, on what is a short-term contract, he's got a chance to cash in again. Jonathan, unlike uh, Kenny Pickett, Trubisky's had some good games. He's had some 300-yard games. Texans played Chicago last year, and he was, no, I'm sorry, two years, three years ago. Yep. It was him and Deshaun Watson, and he played great. So I think it's a good problem to have if you're going to lose Pickett. And boy, don't you know Matt Canada got a kick out of that game Sunday when they couldn't score and got walloped and all by the Cardinals? Yes. Yeah, and the weather delays, they were already down two touchdowns at that point, I believe, at the first one. Uh, going back to the Patriots briefly, knowing Bill O'Brien the way you do, what what's he thinking behind the scenes, knowing that this offense is doing nothing? It, at one point, it was thought, oh, Bill O'Brien's going back, and whenever Belichick retires, he's the guy. And now it doesn't feel that way at all, given how bad this setup has been. Well, I never thought for a minute Bill O'Brien went back to take uh, Bill Belichick's place. He went back for one reason. After coaching Bryce Young two years, they thought that, okay, he can come here and turn around Mac Jones, and he's played worse than he did for a special teams coach and a defensive coordinator. And Bill Belichick's getting all the heat, even though Bill O'Brien is the one coaching the quarterbacks. And I heard at the Combine, from a couple of New England people who've covered the team a long time, they think Kraft made Belichick hire O'Brien. I don't know if it's true, but I think uh, they're going to start over there next year. It'll be great to see who they, they replace him with. I'm guessing it'd be Gerard Mayo, who uh, is on the staff, who played there. Everybody thinks he's a legitimate head coaching candidate. And then see if Bill Belichick ends up in uh, Chicago or Las Vegas or the Chargers. Or Carolina, can you see him and David Tepper working together where he has to have total control and Tepper has to have total control? It's not going to happen, but I wish it would, and I wish it'd be on hard knocks. John, final thoughts here. Uh, What did you make of the college football playoff committee and the decision to put Bama in and Texas in over Florida State? Florida State's not one of the four best teams in the country, and I don't think they deserve to be in. It's not what you did. The season, it's what you are right now. Alabama beats Georgia, had to go. Texas beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa by double figures. You couldn't keep out Michigan and Washington. Right now, I don't think Michigan's a great team. I've watched their last three games. Washington's kind of living on a prayer with Michael Penix and some great receivers. And as long as Milrow continues to get better, I think Alabama's going to win. I think it's going to be Texas and Alabama. And Alabama's going to win the championship in Houston. Get the rematch there. You can uh, catch John at sportsradio610.com. All of his great audio and and video work there. John, thank you as always. Troubleshooting with us today. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Guys, thank you very much. And uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all your listeners and viewers. Merry Merry Christmas Christmas to you, John. Thank you. There's John McClain, one of our favorites. The man, the myth, the legend. That's right. Thanks for his patience with us also. How about the turnaround for Green Bay, Chad? They go from being an afterthought with Lafleur on the hot seat to now back-to-back wins over Detroit and Kansas City. And they're set up well uh, after their Sunday night football win. They now will play on Monday night football on December 11th against the Giants.
Yeah. Got the uh, double header this week on Monday. And night. I think also just the um, belief now in Jordan Love as the guy. Like this little spark they've gotten and his play against really good teams has Packers fans believing yeah. they're going from Favre to Rodgers to another, I don't know, it's one of he's those guys, but another really good quarterback but that they have playing right for. Right now them. they're going back to the playoffs. Yeah. You know? Sunday night football, though, a little bit better than the two matchups we have on Monday night. Sunday night, Eagles at Cowboys. Coming up, Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick.com. Senior college football reporter jumps in the mix as we discuss the college football playoff and top bowl games. 